Looking back at the year in politics across the country and here at home, we'll talk with Governor Eric Holcomb, plus the latest on the impeachment process, as we hear from Indiana Congressman Jim Banks and presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, who's in his final days as South Bend's mayor. Then, the Indiana impact of legalized sports gambling. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Today we're looking back at the year that was and ahead to 2020 with a lot of big moments on the horizon, both in Washington and here at home, where an election year looms as lawmakers prepare to return to the Statehouse in the new year. Here's a look at the calendar in the weeks ahead. January 6th, lawmakers return to work at the Statehouse for the 2020 legislative session. January 14th, Governor Holcomb delivers the State of the State Address, a crucial speech for the governor who's up for re-election this year. On Capitol Hill, Congress returns to work January 7th. The president delivers the State of the Union Address February 4th, the day after the Iowa caucus and potentially right in the midst of an impeachment trial. But when that trial happens, still up in the air. Here's the latest. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi still says she won't send over the articles of impeachment until she knows how the Senate plans to conduct the trial. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski now reacting to comments from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who says he would be in, quote, total coordination with the Senate and the White House counsel. In fairness, when I heard that, I was disturbed. And so I, I, I heard what uh, Leader McConnell had said. Uh, I happen to think that that has further confused the process. President Trump, meantime, spending some time on Twitter while at Mar-a-Lago for the holidays. We got this statement from Indiana Congressman Andre Carson last week, who responded to Senator Braun calling impeachment a weak case. Carson said, I expect to follow the lead of Speaker Pelosi. If some senators think our case is so weak, they should have no trouble taking up this impeachment trial quickly and fairly. Republican Congressman Jim Banks sat down this week with our affiliate in Fort Wayne. A lot of us didn't see coming that Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, would sit on the articles of impeachment rather than immediately send them over to the Senate. So she's playing procedural games at this point. She looks petty in the process and withholding the, the process uh, or the, the articles from going forward uh, to the Senate. But uh, your guess is as good as mine on what, how long that will take. When will the speaker come to her senses and allow the process to work the way that it should? And let the Senate take up the next step. And my, my hope overall is that we can get this over with quickly and get back to work trying to um, impeach the president during as he heads into an election year. Uh, we've never seen anything like this happen in American history before, where, where one party weaponizes the constitutional impeachment process uh, to, to injure a president, a sitting president, as he moves into his reelection. That's never happened before, but this has become an, another tactic of the left, of the Democrats, to try to wound uh, the president heading into the election year. I don't think it, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen the way that they want it to happen. Um, at this point, it looks like uh, every single day, more and more Americans become opposed to this circus process of of uh, impeachment of a president who's not guilty of any high crime or misdemeanor, which is what the founding fathers uh, designed the impeachment process to be about to begin with. So I, I think the American people get it. Uh, they're, they're against uh, this travesty. They want it to be over with as soon as possible. And they want the president, they want the Congress to focus on solving problems like health care and uh, continuing to go after China and negotiate better trade deals, keep, keep the strong economy growing, 
uh, focus on issues like that rather than the, the political uh, back and forth over impeachment. All right, meantime, meantime this week, we are also hearing from presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, who's sharing more of his thoughts on President Trump. To offer my view of what I think is at stake in the presidency, I want you to form an image in your mind in as much detail as you can to try to really picture this image. And, and the image is what it's going to feel like when the sun comes up over Story County and Donald Trump is no longer the president of the United States. Just let that image soak in. I think we're all looking forward to that day, ready for a moment when we can just put some of the current chaos and corruption and division behind us. By the way, later this week, Mayor Pete Buttigieg will no longer be Mayor Pete. His term as mayor ends when the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve. And with New Year's approaching, we're also looking back at the year in politics. In so many ways, impeachment dominating the headlines in 2019, with other controversies also making news in the nation's capital. Here's Nadia Romero. Well, I don't feel like I'm being impeached because uh, it's a hoax. It's a setup. President Trump became the third president in history to be impeached by the House. Article 1 is adopted. The president is now facing trial in the Senate on two articles of impeachment, one for abuse of power, the other for obstruction of Congress. The House vote came after House Intelligence Committee investigation led to the delivery of an explosive report stating the president placed his own personal and political interests above the national interests of the United States. The report came after public and private testimonies from key witnesses, sparked by an anonymous whistleblower who reported misconduct on a phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, alleging the White House withheld aid in an effort to pressure Zelensky to help Trump with the 2020 election by making a public announcement that they would launch an investigation into Ukrainian energy company Burisma and their dealings with Joe Biden's son. This was an illegal witch hunt. And everybody knew it. President Trump lashed out against the Mueller probe into alleged Russian collusion involving the Trump campaign, a scandal that haunted his presidency from the very beginning. After nearly two years of investigations, Mueller released his findings, concluding the Trump campaign believed it would benefit from the actions of the Russian government. But there was no evidence of collusion. I pledge that this Congress will be transparent, bipartisan and unifying. Democrats regained control of the House, allowing Nancy Pelosi to regain her power as House Speaker, making her the first woman to ever hold the job twice and the first person in six decades to regain the post. But he's sticking to the wall. The battle over President Trump's border wall kept the U.S. in the longest government shutdown in history, spawning chaos in America's airports and national parks. Paychecks are stopped. And causing torment for government workers who depended on a regular paycheck. President Trump eventually signed a bill to end the shutdown, which didn't have funding for the wall. We have a crisis at the border. Thousands of immigrant children separated from their parents and taken into custody after President Trump declared a national emergency at the line between two countries, allowing him funds to start work on his proposed border wall, sparking backlash from many states and Congress. And in October, a federal judge who ruled the move unlawful. The deaths of some immigrants while in ICE custody or shortly following their release prompted widespread concern about conditions in the facilities. An inspector general's report from the Department of Homeland Security found immediate risk to the health and safety of some of the migrants. How many Americans must die in the Middle East? 
President Trump shocked the world when he suddenly announced the U.S. would be withdrawing its forces from Syria, sparking backlash from top military officials and politicians on both sides of the political aisle. Many condemned the move, saying America was turning its back on its longtime allies, the Kurds, and leaving them to die as Turkish forces invaded. President Trump has signaled his intention to withdraw months before, claiming victory over ISIS. We own our own bodies. Women dressed as handmaids took to the streets all across America in protest to controversial abortion bans that were passed in several states, Alabama passing the strictest of them all. It considers abortion a felony and could land a doctor behind bars for up to 99 years for performing one. The law has been temporarily blocked by a federal court. And political legend Elijah Cummings passed away at the age of 68. Former presidents and top lawmakers packed into a Baltimore church to pay their final respects. I'm Nadia Romero with the most impactful political stories of 2019. All right, up next, Governor Holcomb reflects on the lives of some influential Hoosiers we lost in 2019 and talks about the year ahead at the State House. And one of the big developments across the state this year, lawmakers legalizing sports gambling. We'll take a closer look at how it's gone so far. Welcome back. Today we are looking back at 2019 with our all-star panel, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and Robin Winston, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats. All right, looking back at the year, what were the moments that really stood out to you in terms of where we are here in Indiana and across the country uh, when it comes to our politics and these very divided times? Well, I think, the first of all, the, the divided times continue to get worse. We've become more and more polarized. I really became disturbed in two, with two things. One is the obvious deteriorating mental condition of the president. He's getting worse and worse and worse as we go through the months. And also the mounting federal debt. In November of 2019, we had the greatest federal deficit for one month in the history of the United States. Jennifer, your thoughts on this uh, year that was? So I think uh, I'd agree with Mike. The, the divisiveness, the polarization of American politics has only gotten worse throughout the course of the year. Uh, but my two big stories from the year are both mayoral. Uh, one is the meteoric rise of Pete Buttigieg uh, on the presidential stage from you know, South Bend mayor to fourth in the polls and leading in Iowa. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, and the other one is Mayor Hogsett here, just a definitive reelection, um, solidifying that I think the future of the city is democratic and, and that he has a clear mandate to run it. Tony, your views on everything that we've seen here in 2019. What stands out to me the most is uh, the Mueller investigation falling apart and being proven to be a fraud, not only uh, from Mueller's testimony, uh, from no charges coming out of it, no proof of anything that was alleged, uh, but also the Horowitz report. Uh, more to come in 2020 from, uh, from uh, uh, the Durham investigation uh, and the president being vindicated while being attacked constantly, uh, but proving that he can uh, run this country uh, to a lot of success with the economy, getting a lot accomplished, uh, getting, uh, catching and killing al-Baghdadi. Uh, it goes on and on. I could, I, I, there's not enough time for me. To you almost forget that the Mueller report came out in 2019. It feels like years ago. It was back in, in the spring. Robin, I, I, I 15,000 15, teachers around the Capitol. I mean, you know, that's 15,000 mainly Republican-leaning women teachers in many respects 
around our capital talking about education being a very, very important thing. I also think that uh, Jennifer's right, the mayoral elections, breakthroughs that we made in the Hamilton County, in the Carmel, in the Fishers as a, as a party. And then last but not least is just the resiliency of the American people and the workers in our society. We don't talk enough about those who get up early and take the early bus to work and work the long hours, but that's who's fueled our economy more than anything else. All right, so what does all, all of this mean for next year? Because we're not only looking back at 2019 today, but also ahead to 2020 and the next election year. We, we touched on the president here. We've got the impeachment trial coming at some point, perhaps, in the new year. Uh, what will we see in 2020 across the country and, and here in Indiana? Well, I think you'll see, and I'll predict it right here, you'll see uh, Governor Holcomb hit 60% in the general election. He's done a fantastic job, and Democrats, by and large, really like the guy. And then I think you'll also see slowly, no matter what happens to Trump, assuming, let's assume for a second that he survives, you will see the gloves slowly come off between Mike Pence and Nikki Haley. There can be fewer smiles between those two because they're both getting ready for 2024. Jennifer? So I think everything in 2020 is driven by Donald Trump, for better or worse. Um, the gubernatorial election, state house elections, congressional elections. Um, and I do agree with you. I think Governor Holcomb will probably be reelected by a lesser margin, perhaps, than before. Um, but I think everything lies in, in the hands of the president and how he runs his reelection campaign. I will say I was very heartened um, by the last Democratic presidential debate that the fewer candidates we had on stage, the more substantive the policy debate got. I was, you know, there were issues like climate change that didn't get talked about before, um, issues of international security that got talked about. And I'm heartened by that. Um, I think that as we winnow down that field over the next couple of months, we're going to see some serious substantive policy on our side of the aisle and President Trump on the other side. It's hard to have a debate with 10, 12 people. It's it is. a lot of people. Tony. Well, I agree um, with both of you on, on uh, Governor Holcomb. Uh, I think he could hit 60 percent uh, because President Trump's on the ticket. Remember, President Trump won by 20 percent here in Indiana in 2016, and, and that helped the down ticket, and, and Holcomb won by seven or eight. Um, with the president, I think the Democrats have peaked in, in what they're trying to do with the impeachment. Um, wh whether they think they're winning, I don't think they are. Uh, I've made that point clear. But whatever happens with the Senate, it's going to be, if it's a trial, it's going to expose all of the fraud uh, th th that's come out of the Democrat Party. And, and there's going to be more exposed by the John Durham investigation. So I think it's going to be a big year for the president. I think in the end, uh, ten, ten, ten months from now, he's going to win bigger than he did uh, in 2016. Well, we can see all of the following happening at the same, around the same time. A Senate trial, uh, Iowa caucus, State of the Union, perhaps all at the end of uh, next month in January. It's going to be a busy month. I, yeah. you know, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of television advertising, first and foremost. So mm -hmm. next stars, people are going to like that, particularly <laughs> on your station. I also think uh, you're going to see a record turnout. Um, 2018, in this county alone, in Marion County, there are 165,000 people voted in 15, 305,000 voted in 18. I think you're going to see a huge, I mean 14, you're going to see a huge turnout in 2020. I hope our election systems are ready for it in places like Johnson County and other places that had problems because at the end of the day, people have to feel like the election was valid and we cannot, we cannot afford 537 hanging chads in Florida well, to decide this. Just because of the political climate, do you, do you worry about the potential of, of uncertainty in, in, in the election this year for one reason or another? I worry more, I, I worry 
much more about violence than I do uncertainty. You've seen people at Trump rallies saying they're getting their 357 Magnums loaded. Um, you're seeing a lot more physical confrontation and heavy verbal confrontation between the two sides. I think violence could easily break out around the political convention times, particularly. It, I think I'm really worried about 2020 for that reason. I certainly hope not. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I do worry a little bit about cybersecurity, and I know Facebook and Twitter and other platforms are cracking down on and any sort of undue influence, but that's where a lot of people go and get their news from, and I think we're more vigilant than we were before, but those forces are probably smarter than, than we are now. I don't worry so much in Indiana. I think Connie Lawson, our Secretary of State, is doing a great job, and on top of all of those issues, including cybersecurity, I do worry about there's going to be pockets uh, around the country where, where things happen, and hopefully... Um, the, the, those officials are on top of them. As far as violence, we see a lot more violence coming from the left. I, I, I can't. It could come from either it could side. Come from either side yeah, and and that's got to be addressed. I don't know where the violence is coming from our side. It's, I saw your Antifa. guys. Okay, let me. I saw your guy at a rally punch a guy. I saw your president at a rally say, "Bring him over here and hit him in the face." I mean, so I don't know about that part. I'm more concerned about transition. When we get a new president, I want this guy to leave, leave amicably and ride with our new president down to the Capitol and, and watch him get sworn in. We will see what happens uh, in the coming year. As you mentioned, Governor Holcomb also up for re-election this year. Up next, we will talk with him about the year that was and what we might see in 2020 as he seeks another term in office as governor. Stick around. We'll be back. Well, today we're looking back at 2019 with Governor Eric Holcomb and also ahead to 2020 with the issue of teacher pay front and center as the governor runs for re-election. Recently, he sat down with our Kayla Sullivan. I don't fear. No, uh, we're going to do the right thing. The Indiana State Teachers Association wants $75 million to go toward teacher pay next year, but Governor Eric Holcomb says he wants to find a systemic fix first. That teacher compensation commission, of which the Teachers Association sits on at the table, um, they're going through and they're going to be able to, with us and us with them, identify what is that gap? How do we, how do we reach that goal? Holcomb wants Indiana to be top three in the Midwest for teacher pay. He says waiting until next budget year in 2021 will help the state get there. We need to fix this systemically. Um, in a sustainable way. You do that with your budget. He credits the $763 million the state allocated toward education as a top accomplishment in 2019. He also notes eliminating the tax on military pensions, passing a hate crimes law, and making progress on the state's workforce development programs. The amount of investment we're making in our infrastructure, in our roads, in our rail, in our broadband internet, affordable service. When asked about the downside of 2019, Holcomb pointed to those we lost. Birch by and Dick Luger. And we lost a trooper not too long ago. Um, and those are gut-wrenching, um, hard to deal with. Holcomb says those people helped get Indiana to where it's headed in 2020. We were a state that was moving forward and making progress before I was sworn in. And all we've done is take it to the next level. We've just built on records that were set before me and broke those. All right, another big development at the Statehouse this past year, legalized sports gambling. Sports books opened more than three months ago, and it's made quite an impact since September. Hoosier sports books have raked in more than $129 million in revenue. One of the biggest boons for Indiana sports betting has been the addition of mobile gambling. It's a win for Indiana, a win for the consumer, and a win for leaks. It's been an incredible uh, thing to witness to see how businesses increase.
You can see more of that report on our website. Just click on In Focus. All right, wrapping it up with our panel's winners and losers, not just for the week, but for the entire year as we look back at 2019 and look ahead to who might be among the big winners and losers in 2020. Robin, I'll start with you. I think Nancy Pelosi. And I think what she has imparted to young women about having a career in politics and in government, I think it's going to go a long way. Uh, I think she definitely was the big winner. The big loser was Donald Trump. Tony. I imagine you feel different. <laughs> yeah, for 2020, I, I think it will uh, uh, be realized by the American public that the big loser is Nancy Pelosi and Democrats that voted for impeachment, and Trump's going to win the election. So you have to say he's going to be the big winner in 2020. For 2019, I would say uh, Indianapolis Democrats, while uh, statewide uh, Dem uh, Republican mayors were, were winners as well. Okay. Well, I don't have Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump. Uh, I'm going to stick with Pete Buttigieg as my big winner for 2019. Whether he wins or loses the primary, I think it was remarkable that he was able to, to rise up and, and really create a movement. Um, and I have another big winner, and I think that's going to be youth voters. I think the next generation of voters is not going to be as predictable uh, as older generations. They are not um, Maybe as... Maybe not always sticking with yeah, the party. They, yeah, they tend to move around. They tend to be influenced by different uh, outlets and different... Uh, 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 efforts. So it'll be really interesting to see the election uh, next year. All right, Mike, you get the last word. Well, I think the, the two winners. First, Kyle Huff, the chairman of the Republican Party, who directed the greatest victory sweep of Republican mayors in Indiana history. And also our all good friend, Tom Lobianco, who published a, a historic book on Mike Pence that's been nationally released and nationally sold. If you want to know who Mike Pence is, read that book. The winner next year, I think, will be Mike Pence, because no matter what happens to Donald Trump, Mike Pence is going to conduct himself in a good way, in a way that will uphold his values and the and values that I value. To set him up, you think, for 2024? Yeah, for 2024. I think he's going to handle himself very well. Well, uh, four or five years from now, when we talk about the winners and losers for the year, we'll, we'll revisit that conversation, That's right. right? That's right. All right, Play thanks back. so much for joining us. We hope you had a great Christmas holiday. Happy New Year's. We'll see you again in 2020. Thanks for joining us.